Ooh. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Okay, quick story. Quick, quick story. Important Jane and I story. went to see Toy Story 4, and it was at this little movie theater that only shows one movie at a time um, in, in their little town in Maine. And we're sitting there in the movie theater. The movie theater's getting dark. The movie's gonna start. And everyone, you know, gets quiet because it's time for the movie to start. And then this kid enters from the back and so loudly goes, Ooh, what movie are we gonna see? <laughs> in this, like, really high-pitched voice and adorable accent. And the more I think about it, it's like, okay, where were you the entire time that you were entering this movie theater? It's very obviously a movie theater. Two. Like, did you just wake up from a nap, like, in a movie, being like, oh, we're at the movie? Also, how did this kid develop this accent at such a young age? It was so loud. Like, <laughs> it wasn't just, like, everyone was quiet and he said it a normal volume. It was an announcement. Everyone in the theater giggled. We were like... <laughs> it was so funny. And the more I think about it, the funnier it is. It's like, kid, where have you been? live hi hi welcome back to you know what i've been wondering i'm sarah i'm jane we're in maine we are this is my last day i know i'm like so happy that you came but i'm so sad you're going i know i'm really sad to leave it's so beautiful here and i have to go back to like muggy gross new york city Mm. where there's you know you can't really hang out outside (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can there are places but it doesn't feel as nice yeah you can get closer oh of course cool how are you doing i'm doing good i'm happy to be home it's happy it's so nice here i start camp on monday yeah mm-hmm. we ran into a lot of your counselors when we were walking oh around. yeah they all were like what are you doing here and then yelled at you for not being at work yet which was really funny yeah because i it took i because we had war, um school until like recently i couldn't get up here until after this week of camp started something i'm my first day is next monday so i missed like the first two weeks of camp and they're all like where you been (laughs) (laughs) you're such a good employee jane yeah of course employee of the month honestly i'm excited to start though and i'm excited to see my kids and my campers and they're the same thing i don't have children around uh And, like, be in summer mode. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. Um, I've been wanting to tell you about this all week because I was like, this is too relevant to the podcast to not talk about it on the podcast. But, yeah, but I've been with you all week. So, here it is, finally. So, I saw Toys... We saw Toy Story 4 together. But as I mentioned last week, I also saw Toy Story 4 last week when it came out. And there was an ad for a movie. It's a cartoon. Um, It's, like, an animated movie. I think it's a DreamWorks movie that's coming out that stars Will Smith in which Will Smith is a CIA agent that gets turned into a bird that's up and it's about this like kid who like is like a young person in the CIA who who makes a serum to turn agents into birds because it's more inconspicuous and he can still talk and everything but he's literally a pigeon agent it's a new bird truther conspiracy I literally I was like this was made by the bird truthers oh my goodness no isn't that so funny they've heard our podcast and they're like that's a good idea i know i thought i thought that was absolutely hilarious i was like i cannot believe that the bird truthers made a dreamworks film dreamworks is owned by bird truthers (laughs) 
it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> the does. top is DreamWorks. It does. It goes all the way. I, but anyway, I thought that was insane. I forget when it comes out and I forget what it's called, but it stars Will Smith. And I was like, this is propaganda. Will Smith bird movie. Will Smith bird movie. He has a lot of movies coming out. There were multiple trailers for Will Smith movies. Oh, Aladdin just came out. Aladdin came out. And then he's making another movie that's like about how he was cloned when he was younger and his like <gasps> clone has come and found him. He so loves to make like... It's like an action movie. Like he's going sci-fi dystopia movie. Yeah, he's going back to his iRobot roots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he has this pigeon movie coming out. And I swear there was another one in which he's going to be a voice or something like that. Well, Smith has really made a comeback into the film era. Yeah. But good for him. Good for him. I love a good Will Smith movie. So... <laughs> Anyway, I don't really have anything else to add or throw out there. The debates happened. Oh, yeah. Which we watched most most of. Yeah. They were interesting. Twitter was funny those nights. Twitter was funny. Twitter's really funny about Marianne Williamson. <laughs> They're all like, Marianne Williamson for Secretary of Crystals. <laughs> <laughs> or stuff like that, which I think is really funny. I just, like, I haven't really taken her seriously as a candidate. Maybe I should be, but I don't know. I had never heard of her until... And my mom loves her, and apparently she's, like, an author or something? Yeah, she writes, like, self-help books. Interesting. Yeah, so that was interesting. That was juicy. <laughs> but I have a whole wealth of information for you about how elections are going to work, now that you know all this stuff about the candidates after the debate. So we're coming at you with some facts. Oh. It's going to be exciting. I'm very excited. Stay tuned. But are you ready to get started? I am. I am. Okay. So you asked me about what makes July 4th significant in the Philippines? Like yes. Why? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy almost 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, this comes out on the 3rd of July? Yeah, it comes out on the 3rd. Okay, so um, July 4th in the Philippines is known as Republic Day or Filipino-American Friendship Day. Mm. But I'm going to hold off until the very end over what it actually is because it has a long... Backstory. Oh, okay, great, um, great, great, great. That starts all the way back in 1521, when the Spanish colonial period started with the arrival of Magellan. Oh. So starting in 1521, up until 1898, really, um, the Philippines were colonized by Spain. Okay. Yeah, and they were under Spanish colonial rule. In 1896, that was the beginning of the revol the re revolution. From yeah. Spain. Um, the Philippines no longer wanted to be under Spanish colonial rule. So they began this revolution. Um, and then in December 14th, 1897, uh, there was this pact between the Philippines and the Spanish called the Biakna Bato. Okay. The Pact of Biakna Bato. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's B-I-A-K-N-A-B-A-T-O. Okay. Um, and it was signed on December 14th, 1897, and it established a truce between the Spanish colonial government and the Filipino revolutionaries. Um, the Spanish colonial government, by the way, was led by Fernando Primo de Rivera. Interesting. Um, and in, the terms, yeah, in the terms of this pact, revolutionary leader, leader Emilio Aguinaldo was exiled to Hong Kong. In return, the revolutionaries were given amnesty by the Spanish, and they were given monetary indemnity by the Spanish government. Okay. Now... At the same time, okay. as all this is happening, it was very good timing. Okay. Because... This is when the Philippines were still, like, all thousands of those islands, right? Like, we're talking about the same thousands of islands yes. that the Philippines are now. Okay. Yes. Okay, okay. There's, like, 4,000 of them, I think. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so many islands. 
But I think a majority of, like, all of the, like, political action that's happening is mostly happening, like, on the main island where Manila is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, like I said, very good timing. Because at the very same time, uh, the year's 1898. We're currently in 1897. 18, the last couple of years of the 1800s. Okay. All this time before that, it was under Spanish rule. Yeah. Okay. So, All like, 300 time. years. Yeah. Okay. Um, in January of 1898, the USS Maine, okay. Navy ship... Okay. Was sent from Key West, Florida. Oh, oh, I know this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> sent from Key West, Florida to Havana, Cuba, to protect U.S. interests during the Cuban War of Independence, because they were also fighting Spain at the very exact same time. Okay. For independence. Okay. Um, and the U.S. wasn't completely involved yet, but they were sending a ship to aid. Yeah. Well, okay, this is all flooding back yes, to me yes, from yes, history yes. class. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. <laughs> and there was an explosion sinking the USS Maine. <gasps> Killing 261 of the 355 crew members. Whoa. Which I didn't realize. I've heard of the USS Maine explosion. Mm-hmm. And I always just think of it as like, ah, oh, that boat that sunk. We lost a boat. But like... A lot know. of people died. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they have that phrase, remember the Maine. That's like a whole thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. I just want to shout... I just want to say that my co-star notification today is, consider the possibility of an honest mess. <gasps> what does that mean? Cancer season is coming for you. No, I want to check mine. Oh, mine said, spend some time getting to know yourself. Me, after you're gone, just sitting here contemplating. Remember the main. Wasn't that a president's slogan? Maybe. It happened at 9.40 p.m. on the 15th of February. The ship had been there for three weeks. Uh, 261 of the 355 crew members died, and uh, 16 more were injured. Following the explosion, the New York Journal and the New York World both covered the topic heavily in the newspapers. Right. It was a big... They were covering it a lot in their papers, basically. But that time of journalism is now referred to as yellow journalism, mm-hmm. uh, which just basically means that they were pretty much... I don't want to say it was fake news, but they were putting in a lot of fabricated details, right. exaggerating yeah. a lot, doing putting a lot of things in their articles not based on any evidence that was real. Right. Um, so there was a lot of misinformation going around. But basically what the American opinion was, was that Spain did it. Okay. And yeah. they very well could have. We just don't know because they didn't do any of this reporting based on evidence. They were just like, it was this. Yeah. And Spain did an investigation on the cause of it. And they claimed that it was spontaneous combustion of coal bunkers. Oh. Um, but the Samson board, which was a U.S. naval inquiry, said it was the result of a torpedo. Oh. So, there's a lot of conflicting evidence of what actually caused the explosion, but the biggest takeaway from it is that it brought national attention from the U.S. to the conflicts going on in Cuba, Mm. Um, and that really brought them to start the Spanish-American War, essentially. Like, that wasn't the only cause of it. It just brought attention to all the atrocities that were going on already in Cuba, and America decided that they should get involved. And that was the beginning of the Spanish-American War, which was a very short war. It only lasted from April 21st to August 13th in 1898. It was uh, three months, three weeks, and two days. It's an armed conflict between Spain and the United States, and it led to 
the U.S. gaining a lot of territory in the Caribbean and taking control of the Pacific regions that had previously belonged to Spain. Okay. Uh, this led to the U.S. deciding to also get involved in the Philippine Revolution against Spain. Okay. Uh, basically. So, Commodore George Dewey... Okay. Um, ...sailed from Hong Kong to Manila, which I think maybe that was just, like, a shorter trip. Yeah. Because I feel like we... I think of the Philippines as being, like, right there, but they're... Yeah. Like way out in the... I mean, but Hong Kong to Manila? That's... That, I'm wondering if that's shorter. I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's... I'm sure it's shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, yeah. Fr- than from the U.S. Yeah. to the Philippines? Yes, I'm like sure it. it's shorter. Yeah. Uh, so he sailed from Hong Kong to Manila Bay, leading the U.S. Navy a- Asiatic Squadron. And on May 1st, 1898, Dewey defeated the Spanish in the Battle of Manila Bay. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Which effectively put the U.S. in control of the Spanish colonial government in the Philippines. Okay, so it's still a Spanish government, but the U.S. is in charge of it. Yes. Okay. Uh, later that month, the U.S. Navy um, brought the exiled revolutionary Aguinaldo back to the Philippines. So he, they sent him to Hong Kong okay. during that pact. Okay. And he agreed to be exiled there, but sp- the U.S. were like, let's go get him. Okay. Let's bring him back over here. To the U.S.? No, to the Philippines. To the Philippines, okay. Because he was the leader of their revolution. And okay. Was, um an important figure in their um, journey to independence. I see, I see. Yes, Aguinaldo. Um, and it was Aguinaldo's idea uh, when he got back to have a declaration of independence, like America did, um, to show Spain and other countries that the Philippines were just that, independent. Uh, and they had a day of where they signed the Proclamation of Independence. Mm-hmm. So the idea was a declaration, but they were like, no, it's a proclamation, which I like the kind of makes it sound unique to them. Um, and on June 12th, 1898, author Ambrosio Rianzares Bautista read the Acta de la Proclamación de la Independencia del Pueblo Filipino, which, forgive my Spanish pronunciation. It's fine. But uh, basically, they had Declaration of Independence, 96 Filipinos signed it, the Filipino flag was uh, unfurled, and the national anthem was played, and... This day, June 12th, is a big holiday for them because of that. Like, that was the day they they were like, we are independent. Okay. Uh, the issue is that the Philippines were not really considered independent at all by other countries uh, because when the U.S. defeated the Spanish, yeah, um, they had this thing at the end called the Treaty of Paris. Okay. And they just signed... Why is it always the Treaty of Paris? I, I know, know that they always go to Paris to sign it, but there are too many... When you say Treaty of Paris, I could name, like, three wars. <laughs> you know? Anyway. Yeah. In the Treaty of Paris, this one, one in 1898, at the end of the Spanish-American War, it was signed by by the United States and Spain to end the Spanish-American War. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm repeating myself a lot, but anyway. It's fine. Uh, in this treaty, Spain agreed to give America Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines. Okay. So, like, yes, the Spanish were defeated and no longer there, but the Spanish were like, yeah, we're not there, but now the U.S. owns you. Right. So, uh, from 1898 to 1946, the Philippine Islands belonged to America. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Philippine-American War lasted from February 4th, 1899 to July 2nd, 1902. Now, to the people of the Philippines, to the Filipinos, this was just a continuation of the war. They had already been fighting with Spain. Okay. Um, but, Amer- like... The United States, this was like, oh, we just saved this colony, and now there's this insurrection. 
right. being against us. Right. Th- there was kind of a savior complex going on with yeah. the United States. Like, yeah. They really thought they were helping the Philippines, and the Filipinos were kind of like, okay, like, yes, you helped us get rid of the Spanish, but now you're doing the exact same thing they right. were. Right, right. Uh, so Classic this, America thinking yeah. they're better. <laughs> yeah. There was this three-year war fought um, between the Philippines and the Americans. Um, it was obviously not great. War never is. It resulted in many deaths on both sides. It, it, the death toll of Filipinos was 200,000 people at least. Oh, Some people wow. say it could be up to a million. A majority of those deaths were caused by famine and disease. There were, and that include, does that include the numbers from when they were fighting Spain, or that's just with the Americans? That's just with the Americans. Jeez. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. And there, there were atrocities, like, on both sides, but I, I'm pretty sure the Americans like were the ones committing worse crimes and just causing like again because most of those deaths were from famine and disease like because this war is going on right things are not going well right and resources are being exhausted because Americans are coming to the Philippines and using their resources yeah 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 there were multiple massacres I just wrote in my notes it was bad yeah um and the U.S. won the war, and the resulting United States occupation of the Philippines caused a bunch of different, caused a bunch of cultural changes. Okay. Um, the state religion was changed to Catholicism, which actually, now that I'm thinking about that, is interesting because Sp- Spain a pretty Catholic country. Yeah, super Catholic. <laughs> huh. Anyway, <laughs> that is interesting. Interesting. Um, that is weird. Yeah. Um, English became the primary language of the government, of education, business, industry. And speaking English sort of became something that was associated with upper class and educated people. Like, yeah. there was a cultural shift to thinking, like, oh, if you're hoity toity, you speak English. Um, <laughs> the f- I love the phrase hoity toity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. All that being said, from the very beginning, uh, the US presidents, who, like, I think McKinley was the president when. Uh, 1902? That sounds right. McKinley sounds right. Anyway, the presidents who were in charge when U.S. gained control of the Philippines all said that, like, this was a temporary thing. Right. Oh, Theodore Roosevelt was president. Oh, it was Roosevelt. When was McKinley president? Because I feel like he was... Oh, uh, he was he was assassinated in 1901. So he uh, was president during, like, the Spanish-American War and... And the beginning and of the beginning Phil- of, get the, yeah, the, the beginning War. of the Philippine-American War. Basically, they viewed the colonial mission of America in the Philippines as tutelage. And mm. they wanted to prepare the Philippines for eventual independence. Okay. Um, but they were like, at first we got to teach you to... They wanted to Americanize yeah, them, essentially, yeah, yeah, before yeah. they, they got out They're like, you have to think like yeah, us, to, to be speak, like us. Yeah, yeah. to speak English. You have to, we have to teach you how to have an educational system like ours. Right. Um, but again, ultimately, the goal was independence. Um which is partially why they made all those cultural changes. Um, and the Jones Act of 1916 uh, promised eventual independence to the Philippines. Okay. From 1898 to 1935, it was considered a U.S. territory. In 1935, it was made a commonwealth. Oh. Which, little fun facts on the side, uh, I wanted to, I was like, I don't know what the difference between Yeah, I don't know, I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah. A territory is considered a possession of the country whose territory it is. Right. Whereas a commonwealth has its own constitution and has greater control over its own internal affairs. And a little fun fact, well, not a fun fact, but you might know this already because you're from Pennsylvania, but Massachusetts, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are all commonwealths, not states. Oh. But they're treated exactly the same. Like, yeah. the... 
difference between a commonwealth and a state yeah. is really just in name only. It doesn't have any actual differences, but right. none of the, all of those four states were all made commonwealth and it's never been changed. Oh, yeah. I do hear people referring to the commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. So the big change that happened that sort of helped hurry along um, the uh, independence of the Philippines was from 1941 to 1945, Japan occupied the Philippines during World War II. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And President Manuel Luis Quezon and his government were all exiled. This keeps happening to the Philippines. They keep exiling their leaders. <laughs> uh, uh, they were exiled, um, and they operated from Australia, later the United States, but, like, they were exiled from the Philippines, essentially. Their president... <laughs> Manuel Luis Quezon and his government were all exiled from the Philippines during the Spanish, the Japanese occupation. Excuse me. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who's occupying them now? I know. The poor Philippines. I know. They can't catch a break. They're like, I just want to be left alone. (laughs) Just let us be independent. So um, President Quezon uh, operated from Australia, later the United States. But beginning in 1944, there was a campaign to retake the country. By Sergio Osman, who eventually, after this all, he would succeed and become president. Okay. Um, which, not because they were getting rid of Quezon. Quezon died during this. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For more on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He succeeded the presidency after Quezon's death and after General Douglas MacArthur. Oh. Uh, after a long, fierce fighting battle, the Japanese officially surrendered on September 2nd, 1945. Okay. We hate MacArthur. Oh, we do? He's, like, he, he was a war hero, but he also did, like, really terrible stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Wait, let me verify. You keep going. Yeah. Uh, so, it was in 1945 they got rid of the Japanese, and that was when America decided, let's just let them be independent. Mm-hmm. So, and they wanted it to be on July 4th, like America's Independence Day. So it was purposely decided uh, that on July 4th, 1946, they signed the Treaty of Manila... Both the U.S. government and the Philippine government signed this treaty, and it provided the recognition of the independence of the Republic of the Philippines and the relinquishment of the American sovereignty over the Philippine Islands. Yay! We left them alone! After 400 years of being controlled by outside governments. I'm so sorry. This whole thing, though, like, made me feel so uneducated in history because... There were so many things, like, and then this happened. I was like, oh, I feel like I've heard about that. But it just totally went in one ear out the other. Yeah. Like, the USS Maine thing. Oh, and the, I don't know how I skipped over this. But I think it's because, I don't know why. I think it's because you're leaving. I'm, like, super, like. Oh. I just, like, want to make everything work well for this podcast. No. Have a good last one. You are. Um, I forgot to say this because I thought it was fun. But the, like, rallying cry in America to go to Spain, to go to war with Spain, Mm -hmm. the Spanish-American War, was, remember the Maine, to hell with Spain. (laughs) That's what I was saying. Yeah, I knew there was some sort of, like, change. I knew remember the Maine was a thing. So MacArthur, I looked it up. MacArthur, when you Google him, of course nothing comes up that's like, why MacArthur sucked. But I'm pretty sure MacArthur, first of all, he was fired by President Truman for being, like, shady. But he was, like, a war hero, quote-unquote, in the Pacific Theater during World War II and Mm. the Korean War. But I'm pretty sure he did some, like, really shady stuff that, like, 
I'm pretty sure he hurt a lot of civilians and things like that. Mm. He was, like, ruthless. Well, I mean, that might have been how he helped win the Battle of Manila. Right. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did something shady. Email us if you know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I I will add, though, uh, while we're talking about this. So, like, July 4th is technically the day that they officially became independent. And that is... The day they celebrate, but to them, they call that Republic Day or Filipino-American Friendship Day. Aww. Because that was the day that America <laughs> gave them independence, finally. Right. Um, but their independence day that they celebrate is June 12th, because that gotcha. was the day that they signed their Declaration of Independence. Gotcha. Um, okay. When they were made independent from Spain, even though the U.S. was immediately like, well, now we run, the, run everything. But Yeah. Um, did you look into anything about what's going on in the Philippines now? Do you know about what's going on there now? Their president is, like, a dictator. He's, like, a oh, terrible no. person. And he's, like, really buddy-buddy with Trump, I'm pretty sure. Or, like, not that he's buddy-buddy with Trump, but, like, Obama, when Obama was still president, he made some sort of comment because this president um, is not really into civil rights. And he's just, like, he's just, I don't know a lot of details about yeah. it. I have a friend who's from the Philippines, and she's talked to me a little bit about it. But he's just, like, a very shady guy. Yeah. Very conservative. And, like, I'm pretty sure, let me see. Let me see how long he's been president. But he gave this whole speech about when Obama said something about him, like, negative, about how, like, I spit on the Americans, like, they're disgusting people. Rodrigo Duterte. 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 Oh, Duterte. Duterte. Yeah, Duterte. I've heard that name. Yeah. He was elected. Yeah, he was elected in 2016, the same year as Trump. He's called. Oh, so he's not friends with Trump. He's called Trump a bigot. Um, but he <laughs> also had told Barack Obama that he can go to hell. But now he's been invited to the White House. He, or he was invited to the White House in 2017 and he came. Oh, I remember what it is. Okay, scratch everything I've said. This is what it is. <laughs> this is what it is. Duterte's entire platform was I'm going to get rid of every drug in the Philippines. I want to get rid of the Philippines drug problem. Mm. And people are like getting arrested and like put in jail for like minor drug offenses because he's being so hard and fast on it. Um, So it's created like a lot of fear in the country because Duterte earned the nickname Death Squad Mayor when he was the mayor of um, Manila because he was sent, like, targets to drug keel- drug dealers and addicts and, like, had them, like, killed. And it was, like, this whole thing because he his whole platform is, I'm going to get rid of Jeez. the drug problem. But it's turned into, like, literally killing people. Yeah. So, and he, they called that the Death Squad, like, his group of people mm. who would come and kill people for possessing drugs so that's what's going on there now (laughs) it's very very scary i should have looked into that but i did cover i summarized 400 years you did you summarized it very well so much happened between 1521 and 1898 that i didn't talk that was the spanish colonial rule and i'm sure so much happened before 1521 right but i was specific i was like all right we're talking about why july 4th is significant yes Uh, yes. yeah yeah, that's really just the long journey to independence that the Filipinos have had. And it's crazy. So happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of May July. May we all think about how America can continue to leave other countries alone. <laughs> <laughs> or help them in a way that's actually helpful. Correct, <laughs> correct, correct. So. I agree. Cool. Thanks, Jane. Cool, 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 cool. All right. I'm on Reddit this week. You are. Jane's on Reddit. Find her. <laughs> I'm not on Reddit. I feel like I should make an account, though, because that might make it easier to just use the website. Anyway. Maybe. So <laughs> Reddit's like, an enigma. <laughs> I have 
two facts. Oh, I love I love that. Because they're both short. I love quick facts. I feel like you're good at finding like a Reddit thing that starts a larger discussion. Mm. Well. So I like the ones you come up with. <laughs> I think they're fun. So I like to do two short ones. This one might be very obvious to everyone, but I read it and I was like, oh, oh. Someone asked on R slash no stupid questions. If sound travels at 767 miles per hour, then oh, why... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it's going to involve math. Then why is it that if you call someone 767 miles away, it doesn't take an hour for them to hear you? Um, and <laughs> Wait. Like, call them on the phone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's eyes just started twitching. <laughs> I don't know if I follow the question, but continue. Basically, like... If that's how fast sound travels, then how come, like... Phone calls are instant? Yeah, why is it that phone calls, like, can travel faster? Oh. The sound you send into your phone call oh. will get from point A to point B faster. Right. Okay, okay. And the quick and dirty answer is because when you speak into a microphone, it turns the sound into an electrical signal. Oh. Yeah. And then it broadcasts the, electric- the electrical signal through cell signal, which is radio, a.k.a. light. Oh. Which is faster than sound. And We saw fireworks on Wednesday. We know light oh, travels yeah, faster yeah, yeah, than yeah. sound. Oh, those were so nice. We saw fireworks over the harbor. And then when the other phone re- receives the signals, they're transmogrified back into sound. Oh. Wow. Which I didn't... Like, it's... Science is crazy. And some guy figured that out. You know? Like, <laughs> that's what blows my mind. Someone was like, I can do that. I could turn it into electricity and then back into sound. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And this one I picked because it's a callback to one I did like months ago. Ooh, I'm excited. Remember a couple months ago, I was like trying to figure out why certain sounds mean certain things to us or why. And one of the things I talked about was why did I asked and we didn't have the answer was why does shh. Why, why, is that why does that new? calm us down? Yeah, why does that calm yeah. us down? I don't remember what episode it is, but that is a thing that you talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we didn't know. And that isn't even the question. Someone commented, why is shush the universal, the universal sound for being quiet? And someone commented, because shushing sounds are soothing reflex triggers in the brains of infants, mimicking the swooshing sound it hears in utero. Oh, because that makes so much sense. When we are in the womb, all we hear is it's like, like a woo, woo, woo. yeah, yeah, woo and sh- 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 of like yeah, your mother's your mother's body happening, yeah, yeah. Your, your mother's body <laughs> happening, her body happening, <laughs> the event of your mother. It is an event. <laughs> the universe threw this at me. That's crazy. I finally have the answer to that question. Wow, maybe they were listening to our podcast and they <laughs> thought, ooh, there are a couple, there are a couple episodes behind, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for all that lovely information. I appreciate it. I know it wasn't like a joyous task. I hope but you can. I was. The thing is, when I was researching it, I was fascinated. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all oh, of this is connected. Like, yeah. I was trying to figure out all this. I was like, oh, this is about the Spanish American and the USS Men. Like, this is stuff that I knew about, but I just never put it all yeah. together. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. Are you ready to find out how elections work? Yes. Okay. This was like really hard to piece together just because I was like, do I talk about history? Do I talk about policy? Do I talk about how they work now? So it's going to be a lot. We're going to jump around. We're getting into politics. We're getting into history. Okay. It's going to be great. So uh, 
just as an overview, we have, as you might know, an electoral college system, which means the president and vice president are indirectly elected through a group of elected delegates called electors. I'm going to be using the word elector a lot. Okay. So just know that those are the people that elect the president through, like, we elect them indirectly through the direct representation of electors. Electors are much more important than we think about. And there's no you other... You just said the word direct and elect a lot. I know, just... I know, I know. Okay, but I'll help you explain it. Okay. Okay. So, since the beginning of the United States, dating back to the Constitution in mm-hmm. 1787, each state has had a number of electors equal to the number of representatives in Congress, which for every state is two senators and an X number of representatives, depending on the population of your state. Okay. At every census. So next year is a census year. So the number of representatives could change next year. So right now we have 535 people in Congress, 100 senators and 435 representatives based off the 2010 census. It's always been that way. That dates back to the Constitution and this thing called the Three-Fifths Compromise, which I'm not going to go into, but that's how we came up with a House of Representatives and the um, Senate. Okay. That goes all the way back to that. So anyone, this is going back to electors, anyone who holds federal office cannot be an elector, but I'm going to tell you later how electors are picked. So state, like, People who hold state or local office can be, but not federal. Okay. Cool. So the first election was in 1789, which I would just like to point out that it did take 13 years between the Declaration of Independence and the first election, which you don't think about it taking that long, but it did. We didn't have our first election until 1789. And really that election took place between 1788 and 1789, December and Feb, December and January. Because if you think about it, it took a really long time to count all the votes Um, (laughs) because it was 1789. In that election, North Carolina and Rhode Island had not ratified the constitution yet and therefore did not participate in the election. New York had not selected electors to the Electoral College because they couldn't figure out how they want to do it. And therefore, New York was not represented in that election. So the first oh. election only... I'm not going to count them out. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> those, so those three were not in it. Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Maryland had the most electors at 10. But only Pennsylvania and Maryland allowed the electors to be picked by vote. In all other states, the state legislatures picked the electors. Okay. So that's the they were the only states who used a like voting system, a sort of democratic system to pick their electors. George Washington in that election was elected with 100% of the popular vote, so just the regular people, oh. that's the popular vote, and 69 electoral college votes. Now in the early days of the electoral college, every elector got two votes because they were such a small government. Um there were 69 electors, and they got two votes each. So because he got 69 votes, essentially he got he was voted in unanimously mm-hmm. because that means every elector gave him one of their votes, and they couldn't give him two. Oh, okay. So, like, he was technically voted in unanimously. And John Adams came in second place, which back then that meant that he was vice president. Okay. 
<laughs> um, they actually, so this is a fun fact that I didn't know. John Adams was the top pick for vice president, but Alexander Hamilton was really worried that he was going to receive the same number of votes as George Washington because everyone was like, oh, well, we definitely want him to be vice president. So yeah. they were worried that they would put in one vote for Washington and one, one vote for, for Adams, Adams and it wouldn't cause a majority and it would, like, be a problem. So he, like, finagled to make sure that there would be some deflective votes to make sure that he didn't get 69, and he only got 34. So he got just oh, under no. half. So he did want him to be, because they had similar values, but he, so he did want him to be vice president, but he didn't want him to be president, and he didn't want to cause a problem where people looked down on the Electoral College after their first election, because they didn't want to be like, look at this flawed system in which these people tied. <laughs> which we're going to get to later. <laughs> so, that was the first election. But the next election in 1792, there were 15 states, all who had ratified the Constitution, and 132 people in the Electoral College. They still had two votes each, and Washington was elected with 132 votes, again, essentially unanimously, with John Adams in second place once again. So he was still vice president. We all like Washington. Yeah, we like Washington. 1796 was the first really contested election, because by then, when Washington was like, I'm not running again, two parties had emerged, the Federalists and the Republicans. And John Adams was the pick for the Federalists and Thomas Jefferson was the pick for the Republicans. Adams beat Jefferson by three electoral college votes. It was very, very close. So cue Hamilton's election of 1800, one of my favorite songs from the show. Um, Aaron Burr and Thomas Jefferson both ran. But the intention was to run together with Burr coming in second place to secure the vice presidency. However, Burr was like, I don't want to be vice president. Like, that was always their plan. So they both, like, ran really vigorous campaigns. And John Adams had already lost favor with the Federalists at this point. Oh. Um, so Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr tied with 73 votes. And uh, <laughs> which poor John Adams only got, like, he got, like, 70. Like, he was so close. Oh. Um, but instead, the other two tied. And so it went to the House of Representatives they tied exactly they both tied in the house of representatives and then they both tied in the senate they could not break the race it went on for six days of people trying to be like someone has to concede because somebody has to win yeah um and what ended up happening is the federalists of vermont and maryland abstained from voting they were like we're pulling out of this and then because of that jefferson was elected because of the way the votes ended up so in in hamilton yeah. They're like, it's up to Hamilton. That- yes, it's essentially it was up to Hamilton because the Federalists were, like, pulled between the two of them because now John Adams had lost. So they were like, okay, well, the Fe- that means all the Federalists have to choose between. Mm-hmm. So it was like, in Vermont, Burr had won, and in Maryland, Jefferson had won. But because they pulled out, the way the numbers work, because mm. not every state has equal representation, Jefferson won. Okay. Yeah. That was essentially what ended up happening. But it was because, like, that moment of him, like, when when Hamilton is like, I choose Thomas Jefferson, like, probably, probably did happen. Mm. But he was a New York person, and that was in Maryland and Vermont. So it did have some effect, but essentially the Federalists were like, we don't know what to do because a Federalist is not going to win. So which Republican should we vote for? And he was like, vote for Jefferson, essentially. Okay. Um, so um, this was the last election before the 12th Amendment. So before the election of 1804, 
Jefferson ratifies the 12th Amendment and the government ratifies the 12th Amendment. Under the 12th Amendment, the Electoral College votes for the president and the vice president separately. So there was no more of this like, oh, well, we'll give one vote to this guy and one vote to this guy. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Totally separate. The president and the vice president are not allowed to be from the same state, although they hadn't been before, but that became a law. They're not allowed to be. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. If a president is not decided by majority, the House of Representatives will break the tie. And if a vice president is not decided by majority, the Senate will break the tie. Okay. So they have different checks and balances. balances, Different checks and balances. Um, Super important amendment. And since then, that has been the law, and that's how it's worked. In 1820, James Monroe... I thought this was a fun fact. In 1820, James Monroe won essentially unanimously. Only one person in the Electoral College voted against him. Which I found very hilarious. Only one guy was like, no, no, no. <laughs> he was, <laughs> he was like just mad like, at him. Yeah, he was just like bitter. It was like he a person. He lost a card game the day mm-hmm. before and was like, I will not vote right. for you. So by that time in 1820. Okay, so the Electoral College was put in the Constitution, but the Constitution said every state can choose its electors how it will. Like, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not a universal system. So, in Massachusetts, the law was, the people shall vote by ballot on which shall be designated who is voted for as an elector for the district. So, instead of looking at your ballot and saying, if it's 1820, James Monroe and, I forget who he ran against, James Monroe and the other guy, Mm -hmm. instead of it saying that, it would say the name of your elector. And you would be like, oh, I'm going to vote for this guy's elector and this guy's elector. Because the whole point of electors is that they're supposed to be people who will look at the population and look at what their state needs and make a decision based off of that. But people were like, oh, like, I know for a fact that that guy's going to vote for Monroe, so I'm going to vote for him. So what started happening was electors became part of political parties. And instead of making a deliberate, unbiased choice for president based on their community's needs, they would vote along party lines because that's what the community expected them to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the founding fathers had assumed that electors would be elected by the citizens of their district and that the elector was to be free to analyze and deliberate regarding who was best suited to be president. But then a lot of bribery started happening and that started getting hazy. Essentially, that is what is still happening. And I'll explain to you how that is happening now, later. Um, but that started in the 1820s, this, like, what are we going to do about electors and parties? We started, I'm going to talk now about primaries and caucuses and picking candidates because that started to become important too Mm -hmm. um because now it was it was no at the beginning it was like super obvious like oh this guy is universally liked he was huge in forming our government he should be uh, the president you know but then as we started getting farther away more of the founding fathers began to die it became less obvious who was going to there was a lot more campaigning yada yada so we started the caucus system in the early 1800s under the caucus system a group of delegates meet together and discuss who their candidate will be. And then that person is, like, chosen through... A, but it's through oh. a gr- it's through discussion. It's like yeah. anyone that can vote will go to a caucus. And they'll walk around and they'll talk with people and be like, I think I like this guy. Well, you know he stands for this and this whole thing. Yeah. Um, but after Richard Nixon won the election in 1968, the Democrats decided that they wanted to reform the caucus system, that it was no longer working because they yeah. didn't want Nixon, they didn't want Nixon elected and they blamed the caucus system on this. Okay. Essentially. Um, so that's when they began holding primaries. So we had caucuses from the early 1800s for like over a hundred years and mm-hmm. primaries didn't start until the seventies. Um, and in primaries, every citizen goes to vote for their candidate. 
Some states have open primaries where you can vote regardless of party, and some have closed where you have to vote within your within your party. So Pennsylvania has a closed. So when I go to vote, I can only vote for Democrats, um, which is like a which was a huge thing in the last election because so many people wanted to change their party for mm. the election in 2016 for the primaries. It was, like, a whole thing. Mm. Um, that's what my mom went through. Like, she hadn't changed. She was still a registered Republican, so in the primaries, she was like, I don't know who to vote for. <laughs> she's since changed. She's she's now uh. a registered Democrat. Um, by the election, she had changed. But by the primary, she hadn't. So she was like, I have to vote for, a, like, a Republican primary candidate. So she was like, I guess I'll just vote for the one that seems the least terrible. Yeah. was, like, the whole thing. So there are, there are like, pros and cons to having open and closed primaries. So that started in the 70s. Iowa still has the most famous caucus, and it's famous because it's the first caucus that happens in the primary season. It's They're, they're really the first state to vote in the primaries, so it kind of sets a precedent for everything else. Iowa is the most famous caucus, but nine states, as well as three territories, still conduct caucuses in lieu of a primary election. Caucuses also vary by party, so in Kentucky, the Democratic Party has a primary, but the Republican Party caucuses, so it's not, like... It's not dictated by law, you know, that, like, both parties have to do the same thing um, because it really is whatever the party is going to think is best for their candidate um, and is best for getting the best person to run, essentially. Um, In addition, several states have switched to primaries for 2020, like Minnesota and Colorado. Last time they had a caucus and now they're ready to now they're going to start doing primaries instead. So this is how an election works, like really, truly works. People decide to run. Step one. In this case, there's many people. (laughs) Many people decide to run. Every state will have a primary or a caucus, um, depending on the state, to decide how many delegates a candidate will get. And the delegates will eventually go to a convention, which I will get there. Because you Um, know about the Democratic and the Republican National Conventions. Um, So, if a state has a caucus... Everyone, like I said, everyone gets together, they chat, and then the people at that caucus will vote together for each candidate. According to the number of votes every candidate gets, they will be assigned a certain number of delegates. So, for example, um, at the Iowa caucus last, in 2015, Ted Cruz got eight delegates and Trump got seven because mm-hmm. Jed Cruz, or Jed, Jed Cruz, I was thinking You're about thinking Jed Bush. Jed from the Bachelor. No, I was thinking of Jed, Jeb Bush. Oh. Um, <laughs> because Ted Cruz got more votes of the Iowa caucus than Trump did, but they still earned delegates. Yeah. That's how a caucus works. At a primary, um, depending on how many people vote, that's the number of delegates you get. So the advantage mm-hmm. of a caucus is that, like, everyone's together. But the disadvantage is if you don't go to the caucus, like, you don't... Okay, you're, yeah. Exactly. So they think that caucuses are better because it allows people to speak more openly and learn a lot more about the candidates because Mm -hmm. they'll have people walking around talking about the candidates. And they think that people will actually make more informed decisions. Mm -hmm. But, like, the chances of you being able to vote was harder, which is why the Democratic Party wanted to reform that system because they wanted more people to be able to vote. Mm -hmm. And there's a predetermined number of delegates for each state. Yeah, I remember going to the... I I think we have caucuses in Maine. But I, there was an, an event I went to, it might have been a caucus, in which my mother and I went, 
and they separated us by town. Mm-hmm. And, like, all of the Democrats from Booth Bay just, like, had a little debate deciding on who they were going to... And, like, by town, we decided. And so then we went out to, like, a larger... Like, we were in a school. We were, they put us in the library. And we is went, this for the last primary? Yeah, we met up in the, like, cafeteria and, like, said to the person, like, Booth Bay's voting for Bernie. Yes, Maine does caucus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so that was Yeah, that that's was. exactly how a caucus works. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you have to decide together as yeah. opposed to every, un, uh, every individual person making their own decision. Yeah. So at every national convention, following primaries and caucuses, candidates are given a certain number of pledged delegates. And because these delegates are pledged based off of the popular vote of the people, those delegates have to vote for the person that they've been assigned to because they're, they represent the popular vote. They can't change. Then you know, what's the point of it being a person. If it's just... If they just need somebody physically there because they will have... They hold a physical vote okay. at the convention. There are also superdelegates. Superdelegates are sitting Democratic members of Congress and governors as well as other distinguished party members. This is for the Democratic Party. Um, they are not bound to any candidate and are free to vote for who they wish. Um, so you get, like, a supercharged thing, which is why there are more votes than there are delegates because, like... They get to vote of anyone, regardless of what their state has decided, regardless of like where their party is going. Mm. It's like a free. It they they get a freebie. Um, Republicans don't have that. Why? Because more of them, or they did. They just didn't like that system. Okay. They were just weren't into it. Um, so back in 2016, like Sanders supporters had hoped that super delegates would switch their votes and would vote for him and push him over the edge to beat Hillary. Mm. Um, because they're not they're not pledged, they're not required. Also, at the national conventions, that's where the party will solidify their platform for whoever the candidate is. They'll be like, this is what I think is really important. This is what the Democratic Party has determined is really important issues going in. And this is what we've seen from the people in general, what we want and what we think the best plan will be. And they do that together. It's a four-day convention. Um, So that at the end, when the candidate is announced, the candidate already has an idea of the platform that they're going to run on as determined by their whole party working together. And that's the convention. So then the convention happens, and they're like, con- they continue the campaign. So then, on election day, and this is what this is what most people don't really understand how like elections really work from election day to inauguration. On election day, people select their picks on the ballot, but in reality, you are choosing that person's electors. Oh, sometime before the election, at any time before, the party, your political party, will choose electors. And it's up to the party to do so. Normally, there's some high-standing person in the state government, some long-time, like, party loyalist, something like that. Um, and it is, like, that's it in most states it's that state's party that will like determine it so like the pennsylvania democrats will choose their electors so when you cast your vote example for hillary clinton what you're really saying is i vote for that elector to go to the electoral college okay that's really what you're doing that's why because of this system someone can win the popular vote but lose the election because at the end of the day the electoral college picks the president not the popular vote and 
Well, the big problem is that's a huge debate in many states, and which Maine has already changed, which I'm sure you know about, is that... Oh, yeah, ranked choice voting. Exactly. Or no, no, I'm not talking about ranked choice voting. I'm talking about... um, Although ranked choice voting is really cool. (laughs) In most states, when someone wins the popular vote of their state, that means that all of the electors for that party will go to the electoral college as opposed to this person got 45 percent of the votes so 45 percent of their Mm. electors will go and 55 percent of the other party it's a winner it's called the winner takes all method wow i did not understand this at all beforehand but i did yeah so for example in the 2016 election yes Trump got the popular vote in Pennsylvania, which means all 20, because Pennsylvania has 20 electoral college votes, all 20 GOP electors went to the electoral college. The electoral college meets the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December. I don't know who decided that, but it was December 19th in 2016. So 20 GOP people went there. Now, in some states, um, you are required by law to vote for the person who your party selected but not all states in 20 that's required in 26 states by law the idea is that you have to vote for them because you have to vote for how the people wanted to vote which like the majority of your people elected this person so therefore you must but it's not required in all states so it was a huge thing in pennsylvania in 2016 because pennsylvania is a swing state Mm -hmm. and those electors are not required to vote for their party candidate so a lot of people were really pushing on the electors in pennsylvania between november 8th and december 19th to change their vote and change their mind it was a huge thing in pa um and they like you can find out who your electors are like i found a bustle article that was like these are the pennsylvania electors go call them it was a huge thing how do you become an ele- oh you already told me you have to be like a state. You're, yeah you're picked by your party yeah. essentially you don't have to be in the state government like you could just be a major party member like if i right now started doing a lot of rallying for the pennsylvania democratic party and i did a lot of campaigning and i helped mm. on the camp like i might eventually be picked to be an elector because the party trusts me it's yeah. about trusting your party um which is why 99 percent of the time electors will vote along with their party but it's like it's a flawed system in many ways because again hillary clinton won the popular vote but trump won the electoral college just because of the distribution of votes and the way that works and because of this winner take all system which maine doesn't have maine and oh maine and nebraska yeah don't have the winner take all system um so that's how that works that's that's really everything about I have about how elections work. Wow. I wish I had a better note to end it on. But yeah, that's just... That, <laughs> this whole week, I feel like you could tell both of us are like arts people and not humanities people. That we're both like, all right. Like, yours was better than mine. But no, like, no, 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 right, no, 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 no. Let's try and figure there's just out a lot, there's a There's a lot of stuff because it's like there's delegates and there's electors, which are different. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out like when we really decided this. But like, in, in essence, the Electoral College has been the same the entire way. Because I mentioned earlier in the 1820s, people started getting mad at Massachusetts because they were like, you're picking electors because they'll vote for the person you want them to because of a party. And they were like, yeah. Correct. And that's exactly what ended up happening was that they were like, okay, here's what we're going to do from now yeah. on. By like the 1930s, they like every state, or not 1930s, by the 1830s, every state was like, okay, so we're not going to vote for electors, but you're going to vote for this candidate. And when you vote for that candidate, it, we assign them electors. 
Okay. And that's based off of parties. Because by then, there were political parties, which the Founding Fathers never intended. They didn't think there were ever going to be political parties. Yeah. They thought electors would just be, like, literally trusted people in the community. Like, picking your mayor to be your elector or something like that. Because you're like, mm. oh, he knows us really well. Yeah. Things like that. It'll be interesting in the next election because, again, there's going to be a census. I don't know if the census will make will mean that the representatives will change. No, actually, I'm sure they will. Um, so there'll be a census, which means the number of representatives could change because the populations will change. I will say a lot of people are critical of the Electoral College. Like, why don't we just have a popular vote? Well, the biggest reason is because if we didn't have an Electoral College, elections would essentially be determined by California, Texas, and New York. New York. Because their populations are so huge and they're really big states. And that, you know, yes, the major populations, but, and like, can be divided. You know, Texas is a red mm-hmm. state. Not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that a Democrat would win every time or a liberal. But that really overshadows the desires and wants of the people in states with small populations, especially mm-hmm. states like Iowa. Idaho, which are major communities and very important. Yeah. You know, like, major farming communities that only have, like, three or four electoral college votes, but that's enough to contribute and can really change things, especially the Iowa caucus, because the Iowa Mm. caucus is huge. So, that's really the problem, is that if they change it to popular vote, that wouldn't really represent the will of the people. Like, it just it would represent the wants of California, Texas, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Florida. Mm. So that's the hard part to reform. I I Tricky. like I like the not winner takes all system that Maine and Nebraska have adopted. I have a feeling more states will begin to adopt that, just because then it's not automatically like. The popular vote got the state, therefore you all have to go because there is a little more nuance to it. Like, Pennsylvania almost went blue. Like, there are districts in Pennsylvania that were entirely blue. My my county was blue. Lehigh County was blue. You know, Mm. it it doesn't... It's not an accurate representation. That's the problem that we have, is that right now the elections are not the most accurate representation that they could be. But you don't want to... It's not fair for the big states to overpower the little states in electing Mm. government because it's everyone's government, you know? Like, we all have to follow federal law. So, there's a lot of nuance to it. Yeah, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Um, But now, when you criticize the Electoral College, you can know what it does and what it's important. Yeah. And that's why, like, there were... I I did know that there was a lot of, like, well, we have to wait for the Electoral College um, after the 2016 election, but it was effectively decided. Like, it was decided. Yeah. It, every election is decided on Election Day, on November 8th. Like, at this point, the Electoral College isn't really going to be able to change anything. Yeah. But there is that, you know, five weeks where you don't know. Is it always November? It's not always November 8th, right? It's just the second Tuesday. Second Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's that. (laughs) So much is happening. So much is happening. So, anyway, going into this election, stay educated. Yes. Read up about your candidates for whatever party you are in. Be knowledgeable. Yesterday, I said to Jane, is anybody else running besides Trump? And I looked it up, and people are, so. On the Republican side. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
um, for the Republicans. Oh no, we know that. Oh, one or two people are running as Democrats. Yeah, 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 yeah. One or two, one or two, just a couple, just a few, just a few. No, but stay educated. Watch the debates. They were super informative, really interesting. Um, you know, it is. It was tough because reading it, I was like, it's hopeless. It doesn't matter if I vote. The Electoral College will decide. It does matter if you vote. Yeah. It really does. Um, So go out, vote, show up. Vote, 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 vote. Right. Maybe if you vote for the right person, they'll change how elections work in your state so that you do get more representation. Um, I want to go to a caucus sometime. I can't go to a caucus. I don't live in a state that caucuses, but maybe one day I will. It was fun. It was... I mean, I think 2016 was kind of... I don't know if every caucus like that was the only one I've ever been to, but, like, there was such divide in, like, my town between the, like, Bernie people and the Hillary people. Yeah. And, like, a lot... And ultimately, like, we did, like, my town voted for Bernie, and the Bernie ended up winning all of Maine. Yeah. um, In the the primaries, I mean. Yeah. The caucuses, but... Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, in, it's intense, but it's important to, like, pay attention. Primaries are going to start happening really soon. Yeah. Like, this fall will be the Iowa caucus, so. Jeez Louise! Jeez Louise! All right. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. I found this really useful infographic about how elections work, and I will post that there. Ooh. Yeah, it was super useful. I was really, <laughs> a lot of my research is from that. Um, if you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. Give us the monies. We are about educators. We are not paid. Well. Yes, we are not, <laughs> we're on our summer break. <laughs> and finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us. I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you need to fact to check us, wonder. that is totally fine. Oh, yeah. Like, for this episode, I said a lot of stuff really fast, and a lot of them were similar words. So yeah. feel free to throw in some extra information at me. That sounds great. I love that. I love learning. All right. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? So this week you mentioned to me that your number is nine. This is what I was going to ask you about. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Do you want me to do it? I'll do it. it's fine. It's fine. It's really fine. Go ahead. I'll think of something else. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You can't wonder about it. You already know what numerology is. Not really in depth. Oh, okay. Well, you know what your number is. Anyway, Jane, I've been wondering about numerology because you know that your number is not... I don't even know anything. I don't know anything about it. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how it works, so... I don't know where it comes from, but I I know how, like, your number is found. But also, like... I'll I'll get into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, tell me all about that. I'm so sorry. I took your question. You're fine. You're fine. I'm so sorry. Well, I'm excited now because I... I do want to know more about it, so I'm happy to look into it. Okay. Okay. This topic might be... You might be able to answer it very quickly. Okay. We'll, we'll go for it. I'll find a way to make it interesting. It's a biology question. All right. What have you been wondering? Why do we have appendixes? Oh. Like, what's their function? What was their function that we don't have anymore? Why do they randomly right. kill us sometimes? Right. And they can just be removed, and that's fine. Yeah. Okay. And then, like... What is the biological function of an appendix? Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jane, in books, at the end, sometimes... <laughs> 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 
That's my Ravenclaw answer. Um, <laughs> um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell you about what, what we need that for. Yeah. Now we're going to start going into, like, what's our kidney for? I know what Yeah, it, like, if you find it, you an answer immediately, you're like, okay, it's a one-sentence answer. Feel free to tell me about, like, other things in the body. Sure, 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 sure. Us. All right. <laughs> that might kill us. Everything. All right. That's everything. Thank you so much for listening. This is... You know what I'm... Wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to see you in person <laughs> for, like, two months. This is our last, like, live recording for a very long time. I'm so sad. Oh, my gosh. The last time we'll be in the same room recording until, like, probably I, beginning of September. Yeah. Wow. I'm still going to talk to y'all weekly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll still be here. She'll still but be here. We get. I'll be here. Uh, and we, be there. I know. Our weekly Skype sessions. Wow. All right. Well, we'll miss you. I miss you. I'm so sad. Okay. It's going to be... It, that's going to be great. You're gonna have a wonderful time yeah, in Maine. You too. You're gonna have a fun summer in New York. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be good. And we'll be back with you next week. Just long distance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> for real this time. Thank you so Thank much for you. listening. This is you know, you know what, what I've been wondering. wondering.